Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. In 1973, the New York City Police Department created a hostage negotiation team. It's not up against the gun. It's up against the man's mind. When you're defusing a human bomb, it's the same as when you're taking apart a real bomb. If you skip a step, it's going to blow up right in your face. Talk to Me tells the high-stakes true story of the world's first hostage negotiation team. It changed policing forever. Talk to Me. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea. Uh, no Goldberg today. He's he's uh, frozen. <laughs> I guess uh, I guess the property is uh, is frozen in Texas, and they're trying to dig their way out. And uh, uh, it's all right. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get a little recap of what was going on at uh, Arizona at uh, at the auction week that's going on there. We got our we got producer Ben in the in the studio, which is perfect because. Uh, ben doesn't know shit about cars. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> but he knows a lot about Dungeons and Dragons. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a little bit of that. Uh, let's see. Uh, first of all, uh, Daytona 24, the, the Rolex 24 hours of Daytona. Uh, I got a chance to uh, watch some of it. I watched like the 45 minutes like recap on NBC Sports or something like that. I, I it was weird for me to try to to watch it like I was trying to live stream and it wasn't streaming on the website unless you're uh like a like a Peacock premium subscriber so I just thought maybe I missed something about it but I was on the website trying to watch it so I had to get sort of the recap version of of it and it was it was obviously interesting to get the 45 minute version of a 24 hour race uh that being said Acura was uh, was pretty dominant the whole time. They did a, a fantastic job. They uh, they won uh, first and second overall and their class. Uh, the winners were Meyer Shank Racing um, with their Acura uh, Hybrid, the GTP prototype, I believe. Uh, the teams are Simon Pagano, who's a friend of the show, Elio Castroneves, again, friend of the show, Tom Blumquist, and Colin Brown. Uh, this is the third straight win for Castro Neves and the second straight win for uh, I believe Pagano and Bloomquest and Meyershank Racing. So back to back Rolex twenty four wins. That's uh, impressive. If you guys go get a chance to go back and see uh, that that recap, uh, watch like that forty five minute episode of it, and you'll see. And then um, 
uh, one of the other groups, like it just came down to the wire. I mean, a 24 hour race and they were sort of neck and neck, uh, coming over the finish line. And it was just about who had a little bit more momentum coming out of that last, uh, coming out of that last turn. And for such an intense and such a long race to have any of the run groups finish and win by a headlight length, like, like it was just barely, it must have been, a, I don't know, eight inches, maybe 12 inches uh, of, uh, of, of the nose of that car peeking out in front of the second place person it was just uh, pretty pretty intense. Uh, quite a battle that I saw uh, between uh, Simon uh, Pagano and uh, uh, Bourdais. Uh, that was pretty. Uh, that was pretty impressive as well. Um, I was expecting a little bit more from from Porsche. Uh, I, th- I think they had some car troubles. They had some spinouts, but. Um, overall, it was a it was a fantastic race. So if you guys get a chance to go back and check that out, you should you should uh, uh, you should do that and see kind of uh, how those things go. They did a fantastic recap, and you know how do you jam twenty four hours of racing into you know whatever forty four forty or forty five minutes uh, of a recap, and it came out um, came out pretty good. Uh, but I tell you the the hybrid cars, the new hybrid cars that they were running. Um, there's a there's a battery pack that I think that they can swap out, um, but it's not an easy thing. I think it's about twenty. I, they said it on there about twenty twenty two minutes or something like that to swap that uh, battery pack out. So that was that was kind of interesting. Um, but it just seemed like uh, so. I believe Meyer Shank Racing qualified on the pole, so uh, they did well there, and then. Uh, Pretty much dominated the the whole event, and it. I mean, when you look at that car, it just looked incredibly fast. Maybe it was just super dialed in, or or uh, or or what, or just the the drivers, but uh, doing their thing. But what a team effort! What a great strategy uh, for the entire team, the pit crews, the, you know, everybody that just, the 24 hour races just require so many more people <laughs> and, uh, they did such a great job. So anyway, kudos to them. Uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to them soon. Maybe we'll get some of the Meyerschenk racing team on here and, uh, find out a little bit about uh, how they feel about it. I'm sure they're super happy and super tired. But uh, it'd be great to be able to chat with them again. Maybe talk to Acura as well, what's going on with that car, because um, pretty cool. We So uh, in, in Monterey, during Monterey Car Week, Acura usually has a, a, a small event that they host. And you've heard, it say, heard us say it before. It's one of our favorite events to go to. Adam Kroll and I, Loxamana, um, uh, sunny, you know, we we like to go over to that event. Uh, Sean comes with us usually as well, and uh, you know, in each year they have some sort of announcement: Acura Integra, new uh, EV SUV that's going to be coming out. But they they showed us this uh, this car, um, the the prototype race car there, and kind of got to walk through it and hear a little bit about the aero, the technology, the hybrid system, and and just kind of. What it took to get that car uh, uh, together, so it was super impressive to see that thing in person, and then be able to see it perform at the uh, Rolex Twenty Four. So, congratulations to them and everybody else. 
who got to participate and do well and walk away without any issues. That's always a big win. Uh, so that's that. So Rolex 24. Um, before I forget, uh, Hot Rod Power Tour, if you guys are in the Hot Rod Power Tour, that's going to be uh, scheduled for June of this year. It's going to be – I believe it starts Monday, June 12th at Atlanta Motor Speedway uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and it will run through Friday and it will wrap up at Bristol Motor Speedway. I People ask me – if I have ever done power tour, if I want to do power tour, and the answer is no, I've never done power tour. Um, yes, it sounds great. I'd love to do power tour. Um, if I did it, I'd certainly want to. I'd want to bring one of my own cars. But honestly, it's just like uh, taking a week off, and how much more time it takes to get a car over to the East Coast because, you know, being in California, it's just, I don't know. They just never really do a West Coast power tour. I think they did something in the past, but we don't get too much of the that out here. And I get it. A lot of the shops and the racing teams and all the good fun stops are, are out there. So um, and then who knows? I don't even know if you can drive through California with a power tour without getting yelled at by the government. So um, we have Monterey Car Week. They have Power Tour. And uh, I'd like to do Power Tour at some point, but I have not been able to do it yet. Um, all right. So the Mustang Mach 1. Let's get into that for a second. I am happy to say that we figured out the tuning issue. Um, and again, it wasn't – if you were following along, it wasn't the tune itself. It was something to do with uploading the tune into the computer and the computer not taking it. And it seemed to be an issue with a handful of Mach 1s. And uh, for lack of a better term, uh, oftentimes people will take a tune and just kind of force it into the computer and get it to like override things and kind of kind of shove its way into – into the computer, and that doesn't always work. Uh, and in this case, that was not uh, that did not work. So, um, after many many attempts and going back and looking at code, and instead of just trying to shove this tune in there, we spent uh, uh, more time looking at pretty much every line of code and then the factory stuff and going through and 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 seeing what could be jamming it up and there there literally was one line of code in there that was causing the error and uh, once uh, it took a while to find obviously we've been trying to do it since uh, SEMA it took a while to find we found it um, it seems to have fixed the problem uh, I've asked uh, Galpin Autosports to uh, to uh, put a few miles on the car, see if it's running well, make sure we freshen up, uh, you know, change the oil and spark plugs and get it dialed in and then check with the tuners. And we actually made a few revisions to the code already, about three revisions to it. Um, so right now it seems to be good. It seems to be drivable. I have not driven it yet. Uh, we just figured this out yesterday as we're recording this. Um, so they've been doing a little bit of testing on it. I think if you uh, – well, I'll get some 
I'll get some posts and some videos and stuff on my uh, social media at Motorator so you can hear this thing and see it. Uh, we'll do a little bit, and then I'll do some more over time. Um, there was a lot of help, a lot of great sponsors that we want to uh, call out and give credit to for this car. So uh, I'm excited to drive it. Um, I I think what we're going to do is um, I, I got a few things to finish up on the car, some stuff on the audio system, and uh, I kind of want to break in uh, this tune and the turbos and the whole system a little bit. Uh, and then I will – Take it over to our friend Ray uh, McClellan at Full Throttle Customs. I spoke to him on the phone the other day and said, why don't we get this thing on the dyno? Let's see what kind of numbers uh, we're getting out of it. Um, We'll just double-check the tune. Uh, Again, the driving and stuff that I do now is we're sort of treating it as as a break-in again and not really, you know, full throttle – uh, you know, uh, runs with this thing. So I'm not looking to wind this thing out to – you know, every little bit of RPM we can, but um, just make sure we don't hurt anything and, and it starts to just run reliably and there's no leaks and and stuff. And it's expected to, I'm fully expecting to do a few little revisions and maybe work out a few little bugs, but then we'll take it to Ray's place. We'll get it up on the dyno. We'll go through it again and we'll check the tune. We'll check everything that nothing loosened up or, uh, uh, or, or whatever, and then uh, report back what kind of numbers we're getting. But I'm excited about that. That's going to be a fun car to drive. You know, as crazy as the GT500 is um, and the DCT transmission, um, and and it works well. And by the way, that DCT transmission works well in in stock form. But when you do calibrate it for performance – um, there is a nice difference there. I know the guys at Shelby American in Vegas have done a few. I drove one that had the calibration in it. Um, their car, instead of 760 horsepower factory, um, they've dialed it to about 800 uh, with just some tune and calibrations on the transmission, and it's incredible. But when getting the Mach 1, I wanted to get the manual transmission. And the Mach 1 had the Tremec, which is the upgraded beefier transmission over the Getrag transmission. So this has the the transmission, I believe, from the GT350 and the GT350R. Um, and then we brought the power up through turbo – excuse me, through turbos. They're pretty much beyond par with what the GT500 is. But I just wanted to do it with a manual transmission. And who knows what sort of weak links we'll find Maybe half shafts, maybe clutch. Uh, and I'm expecting to be able to upgrade those things at some point. I'm not really thinking I'm going to run slicks on it and take it to the drag strip. Um, I think it would be fine and I think it would be uh, fast. Um, but that's a little bit harsher on the whole drive train. So uh, probably going to avoid doing that. And plus, you know, we built the car, you know, for, for SEMA and it's – it's got a stereo and stuff. It's got a little extra weight. It's got a lot of sound deadener and stuff in it. Um, hopefully offset a little bit with some of the carbon fiber pieces and the carbon fiber hood uh, and the K member. So to get the – we'll get into that as well on future episodes and on, on the social media. You'll see that we made some suspension upgrades with Steeda. Uh, fantastic stuff. Steeda has been around for a long time. Uh, but the turbo kit requires a new K member. Um, to fit it properly, and uh, there's, I believe, there's tabs welded onto the K member that 
that uh, attach to the turbos to to mount them. Um, so the advantage there, of course, is we were able to reduce some of the weight with that uh, SteedaK member um, to make up for a little bit of the weight that the turbos and intercooler um, add to it. And then the carbon fiber hood, uh, I'm going to have to put a little bit of the heat shielding underneath the carbon fiber hood so we don't screw up the hood and screw up the paint on it. Uh, but I am curious if we if we weigh the vehicle um, between adding the weight, reducing the weight, do we kind of do we kind of break even on it? Um, as far as like the stereo stuff, yeah, we built some stuff in the back of the car. Um, we didn't make it super heavy. Uh, we weren't building you know a box for four 12 inch woofers and take up the whole trunk. The trunk is functional. Um, we took out the uh, the factory subwoofer and and built uh, our own enclosure for two 10-inch woofers. And it really takes up about the same space as the factory enclosure. It's a little bit bigger, but I'll, I'll show you the, the photos of that thing. You guys can see what I'm talking about. And that was just a lot of like molding it to the shape of, of the car, the wheel well and the trunk. Uh, the side of the trunk and just making a really, really good use of that space. So I don't think we added a bunch of weight there. But if we were going to add some weight, I don't mind adding weight to the rear of the car. Hopefully uh, it gives us a little bit better traction, a little bit better weight balance. But um, yeah, that's it for the Mach 1. Kind of excited about that. I'll get some photos and stuff up on uh, up on social media and uh, at least some sounds so you can kind of hear this thing. Um, the guys at Galpin Autosports sent me – a video file, and you can hear it. Actually, maybe um, Ben, you can bring it up. Uh, check, uh, go to Instagram to Galpin Autosports and see if you can find that video clip. Um, it's funny. It's you know the top half of the video is is my car, and the bottom half is like a monkey wearing headphones, uh, enjoying the sound of that car. Uh, and if you if you find that, just play it here because I want you to hear this thing get on the exhaust uh, and uh, and hear those turbos wind up. I was expecting it to be overall a little bit quieter. We have a MagnaFlow exhaust on it. I assume when they ran it, they ran it with the exhaust open uh, to get this video file. But again, I wasn't there when they when they did that, so um, I can't say for sure. Yeah, so. Uh, turn the volume up on that thing and play that here and let's let's give it a little The video's got two clips. The first is the front of the car and you hear the turbos wind up and then the second clip that seems a little quieter is like a chase vehicle or, or something from behind the car. All right, one more time. Here we go. Yeah, all right. All right. That's good. Anyway, it's badass, right? So that car should be making like somewhere around 750 horsepower, probably crank horsepower. And and uh, I don't know. It's going to be it's gonna be fun to drive. I haven't driven it yet. I haven't even seen the car in a, in a couple of months. I mean, you know, I stopped over for a few things but um by the way it looks like a lot of likes seems like a lot of people seem to be liking that video there because <laughs> that was just posted yesterday and i i mean i can't see it for sure but that's a few 
What does that say? It's 9,000 likes. 9,000 9, likes. Yeah, that's pretty good. So um, fantastic. So I guess we should post post more of that stuff. <laughs> Uh, all right. Let me give a quick shout out to our friends at O'Reilly. Welcome back to the show, O'Reilly Auto Parts. Um, we always love it when you guys are here. So it's uh, O'Reilly's uh, Awards. It's their O Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. You can shop in-store or online to get points and rewards sent straight to your phone or your email inbox. You can get two, three, or four times bonus points on select purchases to get you to your next reward level even faster. Uh, You can receive a $5 reward for every 150 O-Rewards points that you earn. Um, And if you're already an O-Rewards member and not receiving your rewards, just add your email or your mobile number your phone number, and you'll automatically get a $10 reward just for updating your existing account. So add your information. It's an easy $10. And then as you add more rewards, earn that 150 points, you'll get the extra $5 uh, uh, reward bonus there. So sign up is quick and easy. It's O'ReillyAuto.com, or you can do it in store. Again, O'ReillyAuto.com or right in the store. Uh, All right. So what was going on in Scottsdale, uh, the auctions? There was some uh, – of course, Barrett-Jackson. I just went out for the main weekend. I missed uh, RM. This was kind of a weird thing because I c- completely forgot that RM moved to a little bit earlier in the week. And I was at that SEMA conference last week. So uh, I just uh, flew over there Thursday night and had missed the RM. But um, – very successful. Now, keep in mind, RM still does reserves on cars, on some cars, unlike Barrett-Jackson that is all no reserve now and uh, you know puts a lot of trust into those auction companies to get you the best price that they can. But total sales for RM was $44,873,140. There was a 91% sell-through rate, uh, which is um, – very high. Uh, bidders from over 22 countries. There is 29% uh, new buyers and 15% new bidders, which is uh, impressive. Um, the uh, Some of the top sales, uh, the, the LaFerrari, uh, that was a big seller. Um, the LaFerrari did... Four million seventy-five thousand. Uh, the Lamborghini Miura SV. This is uh, an interesting because the uh, Adams SV we sold years ago uh, for about two million, and the Lamborghinis have gone up and then plateaued and then kind of gone up and not really dropped too much, but have gone up and kind of leveled out. And people were holding them. Um, so uh, listen, it was one of those cases where. We wanted to buy the Porsche 935. We had to sell a bunch of Lamborghinis to get it. Sold it for two million bucks. Now this particular Miura SV uh, restored beautifully. Um, really, really nice. The blue note with the silver rockers. Um, Three point five eight million dollars all in. That was super uh, impressive. So good for them. But the one that really stood out was. The 69 Chevrolet Corvette Stingray, the ZL1 convertible. Um, uh, first off, I, I don't expect a Corvette Stingray to, to pop up at an RM auction. It's not the normal go-to cars for them. Um, I would expect it at Barrett. I expect it at Meekum, even these high-dollar ones. Uh, 
The Corvette Stingray, the ZL1, though, this is the all-aluminum big block car. This is, uh, I believe, two of them were made. Uh, it's a beautiful car. It's the orange one. But a 69, that body style is just not – you don't normally consider that the, the big money car. It's not the first gen. It's not the 63 split window. But Yeah, one of two made. Yeah, one of two. Yeah, one of two made. Uh $3,140,000. I mean, just an incredible dollar amount for a, for a 69 Corvette. But obviously, you're getting a very, very special car. Um, you know, we saw a, a 959 Comfort, $1.68 million. We saw a Ferrari F12 TDF, um, $1.24 million. Uh, Ferrari F40, they had a, a Ferrari F40 there, went for $2,150,000. Uh, Barrett had an F40 as well that I think went for two five two six something. I'll find that in a minute. But um, overall, it seemed it seemed good. It seemed impressive. Uh, I don't know if that's record numbers for them, but uh, but they did very very well. Now over at uh, over at Barrett Jackson, um, they also did uh, an amazing event. Um, always raise money for charity, big money for charity. Uh, the first uh, twenty twenty four Mustang, uh, I think it, would, it was a charity car. So you get VIN number one, you buy the car, the rest goes to charity. I think it sold for something like four hundred ninety thousand um, bucks. So that's a uh, uh, good for the charity. The Bear Jackson. Auction in cars did $184.2 million. Uh, it was 1,907 no-reserve cars, 100% sell-through rate, obviously, because it's all no-reserve. They raised almost $1.9 million for charity. I think it was like $1.89 million for charity. Uh, and by the way, Barrett-Jackson's um, uh, lifetime, they've raised $150 million for charity. That, so that's a... That's impressive. Uh, so the overall, the auction did 190.6 million. Some of that is uh, the memorabilia, uh, 184.2 million in cars. Some of the uh, some of the standout cars there were um, the uh, the modern supercars were pulling some pretty pretty impressive money. They were uh, they always seem to be at the top of the charts. Um, a Lamborghini Aventador SVJ that's 671 thousand bucks. It's about what. Uh, I was expecting for that um, a new Ferrari SF90, seven hundred and forty-two thousand bucks. Uh, but then the Lexus LFA was the number eight top seller. This is impressive. The Lexus LFA is a fantastic car. I've driven a few of them. It sounds amazing. Seven hundred and forty-eight thousand dollars for the LFA. Uh, there was a 69 Camaro ZL1 uh, for $770,000. Uh, the one that's not on this list that really caught our attention was there was a Baldwin Motion uh, 68 Camaro. Um, our friends Brad Fanshawe and a friend of his uh, were really interested in that car. They went and tried to bid on the car. Brad has a Baldwin Motion Vega. Uh, that's just kind of a, a, a badass car. And uh, – um, yeah, they went down to bid on this thing, and I think it sold for five hundred and forty thousand. Uh, I think it's like yeah, five eighty or five eighty five, something like that, all in. Uh, and and the way it went down because these auctions move so fast that if you pause for a minute to kind of think about it or take another look at the car, if you're up on the auction block, you're on the stage. 
it it goes by very quickly. And I I, I remember the guys were up there and they they were at like five thirty. Someone hit five forty, and they they were like, "Well, five forty is more than what we want to pay. Should we go to five forty? And by the time they even turned around to get their bid in again, boom, sold. They uh they moved it quickly. Now it doesn't mean they would have got it for five fifty. It just means someone bidding against them might have went higher, might have ended up being at six six fifty. But uh, I think when they were when they were done and that kind of set in, they were like. That's kind of bum. Like I really would have liked to have that car. Uh, it uh, they have a nice collection. These guys of some pretty rare cars, and it kind of fit in. Um, they had a Yenko car, and they had uh, a Copo car, and and uh, they didn't have the Baldwin Motion Camaro. Would have would have fit perfectly into that. So um, bum that they missed that car. But uh, it was kind of a fun to see. Um, the Ken Miles Mustang, this is an interesting car. So it's a 66 uh, Shelby notchback. It's, this is the coupe, not the fastback. This was a car that was raced. Um, I think it did some Group 2, some Trans Am racing. It was built for Ken Miles, but Ken Miles had his accident and died before he got a chance to race the car. Uh, so it has an interesting Ken Miles story, but it doesn't have any Ken Miles racing history. Um, well, we'll find out with from from Adam when we do the show with him this week where we came in because we guessed what the prices were going to be on that car. But uh, it sold for 770000 all in. I think that's high for that car. I mean, it's good money. Uh, and I think it just... It helps Shelby cars, Shelby memorabilia. Um, anything with Ken Miles, I think uh, it kind of proves the point that that's rare. It's just there's not a, a lot of Ken Miles stuff out there. So when you have an opportunity to pick it up, it's going to be valuable. Um, honestly, there's tons of Shelby stuff out there, and there's even tons of McQueen stuff out there. Uh, there's, uh, you know, and for. For Adam's argument, there's quite a bit of Newman stuff out there. We're, we've only scratched the surface on on Newman. I mean, we've got definitely more Newman racing memorabilia and and cars than than anything else. But there's a lot of, you know, McQueen's a celebrity, Newman's a celebrity. I would argue that Shelby is a celebrity. Ken Miles never really was, at least not until the movie came out. So it wasn't like he's got all this movie memorabilia and stuff for other companies and whatever. So there's not quite nearly as much stuff out there. So anyway, seven hundred seventy thousand for the uh, for the Ken Miles car. There's a couple of uh, modern day Ford GTs, um, the Carbon Series cars. They both went for one point three two million. There was a Porsche Carrera GT, one point five nine five million. And then the top seller at Barrett Jackson was a uh, an F forty two million seven hundred and fifty thousand for the F forty, and so two seven fifty for that F forty. That was the gray one that they've been trying to sell for a while. Um, the Ferrari F forty at RM was two one fifty. So. 
$600,000 difference. But this was the, the, the gray, the Nardo gray, I believe, F40 that went at Barrett-Jackson. And uh, interesting car. I believe it, it it was raced a bit. I don't know that it's street legal anymore. Um, it, it hopped around at a couple of auctions, and I believe RM was trying to sell it. Uh, and maybe maybe they're doing a private sale on it, and they uh, were unable to find the buyer at the right price. So like the owner was just like, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to take it to Barrett Jackson. I'm going to list it with no reserve and walked away with $2,750,000 for it. have no idea what they wanted for that car, but that seems like a pretty good price. Um, you know, and then, uh, you know, Barrett Jackson was great. As we've always said, it's a, it's a huge social event. Um, it's fun to, to check out. It's kind of a, you know, kind of a state fair meets car auction. Um, it seemed good. It seemed busy. I think overall, uh, sales were down a little bit than last year, uh, coming off of the pandemic. Uh, people were, uh, you know, spending a lot and now with interest rates going up and inflation and it's settled down a little bit. Uh, by the way, not a ton. I think the overall sales last year, like 200 million, and this was about 190 million. Uh, during the pandemic, when they did sort of the, the the limited version of the auction, limited attendance, um, that was about a hundred million bucks, so uh, about about half, but still a huge revenue generator. Um, speaking of auctions, the final numbers came in for Bring a Trailer for last year's sales. I think we might have mentioned it on uh, on one of the other shows, but. $1.35 billion in total sales on Bring a Trailer last year. Uh, the largest for any auction company. Now, their fee structure and everything is different than a lot of these other companies that have the whole events. Um, as you guys know, with Bear, with uh, Bring a Trailer, it's 5% up to five grand in, in, you know, for, for most of the cars. So that's it. Whereas, you know, RM... Barrett Jackson, you know, these guys get 10% from the buyer and there's usually something from the seller. Um, it could vary from the seller's tam- standpoint, um, but uh, often starts at about 10%. So if you see one of these cars go up, you know, and it's a million dollar car, uh, you kind of got to you got to look at it as the seller's getting 10% less than the million bucks and the buyer's paying Ten percent more than the hammer price, million bucks. So uh, interesting how that that works. The house gets about twenty percent. It's quite the business. Um, let's see what else is going on. Uh, you know, uh, well, I mean, we'll keep the the show a little bit shorter uh, today. But uh, driving a couple of the of the Mercedes uh, vehicles, the Mercedes Benz. Um, you know, we did a lot with Mercedes years ago back when Adam was doing the car show, that TV show. Uh, we, uh, If you watch that show and you see um, in the opening credits, you see the 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 SLS Gullwing in that car, um, the modern-day one, the SLS. Uh, we were out there just doing donuts with the doors open to see what would happen. By the way, the doors start to close. When you're doing donuts, the centrifugal force starts to close the doors. You kind of have to jam your foot in there to keep them open if you wanted to do donuts with the doors open. But it is possible. You can do it. Uh, so I brought that car out there to do that. 
Um, and it's been a minute since we got in with Mercedes, and, and I miss them, and it's nice to to kind of test with them. I mentioned a, a while ago I drove the 580, the, M, uh, the EQS uh, 580 AMG, which is their all-electric SUV with the three rows. Um, interesting. Uh, a very, very cool car. Um, definitely uh, at, at the high end, it's about 150000 bucks. I'm driving the sedan now. That's uh, the all-electric sedan. It's a little bigger than I thought. Um, it's nice. It's roomy. It's a big four-door hatchback. The front is – the styling on the front, it's kind of hit or miss. Um, you might like it. You might not like it from certain angles. It looks a little off to me. Um, but overall, it's not bad. Uh, but a lot of it has been – it's really about the aerodynamics. They really did a low drag coefficient on this car. They want to make it as – as slick as possible, uh, and and it feels good, and it's quiet, and it's fast, and uh, both of these vehicles, the SUV and uh, and the sedan, have this massive piece of glass on on the dash that goes from one end of the car to the other uh, width wise, uh, and within there's basically three screens. There's the gauge cluster in front of the driver. There's the main infotainment system and then another screen placed in front of the passenger but a single piece of glass laid over the whole thing uh, and uh, big touch screens all around and, and so the passenger can control things as well so uh, it's nice it's impressive I think if you get into one of these things and you're expecting an S class uh, it's it's not quite there um, they they definitely invested money into the electronic dr- a powertrain as and try to get this within a, a certain price point, even at one hundred and fifty thousand with with quite a few options. Um, interesting car, an impressive car, and uh, more of a learning curve, I would say, for that whole uh, infotainment system than I've seen in most cars of of the past couple of years. But uh, not impossible. Just takes a little bit more time. To figure things out and how all the buttons and stuff work. Again, if I had more time to like read through the manual or get the crash course from a dealer if I was buying it, uh, you'd want them to walk you through as much as they could. But just getting into it and kind of learning it on the go, um, it has a little bit more of a learning curve. Um, And then there's the AMG SL63. The SL been around for a long time. This is the convertible, I want to say sports car, but it's always been kind of a GT car. Uh, but now with, you know, the four liter and the big power and the, you know, zero to 60 and I don't know, three point something seconds, it's a, it's kind of a beast. It, it kind of just feels like a German sports car. Um, it's still, as you'd expect with Mercedes, it has a very kind of heavy feeling, kind of solid feeling to it. Um, but now all-wheel drive, so it, it gets off the line like a banshee and it just just hauls. Um, it is impressive. It has the same infotainment system basically that's in the uh, – the the EVs, but not the giant piece of glass going across. It's a little bit more of a conventional setup. It has uh, sort of this iPod uh, iPad looking screen on the dash, but kind of a neat feature is it 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 kind of leans back so you can get a good view of it uh, and easy to 
to use the controls and touch while you're driving. And then when you put the top down, it starts to stand up straighter. It, it moves. It's hinged on the bottom. So it goes from looking like – it kind of looks like the, the tacked-on kind of floating screen. But unlike most cars that have that, uh, this actually moves and there's a reason for it. And that's to, to uh, remove the glare when you put the top down. So you'll want to uh, see that. I'll show you a bit of that. Uh, and it just sounds – this car just sounds awesome. It's got – it's just got such a fantastic sound on it now. When you put the top down and open the exhaust, um, the thing's a beast. I, I got a little bit of a of a sound file that I'll put up on uh, on my social media as well. But um, uh, it's just fun to drive. It had this bright blue color, and uh, it was it got a lot of attention. We took it out to uh, a neighborhood nearby just to to shoot some photographs of it. And there was some other gr- groups out there shooting pictures of Porsches and. And a couple of other cars, and I don't know how we all kind of ended up in the same place. I guess we just sort of find these little nooks and crannies, corners of of the neighborhood to to shoot photos. Uh, but when we fired the car up, man, they were impressed. We're like, "Damn, that's the the Mercedes." I was like, "Yeah, it's the AMG. Sounds good." All right, so uh, I think that's going to be it for today uh we'll we should get goldberg back uh next week hopefully he's thawing out over there um good job ben super chatty <laughs> he's running around he's in the show prep for the other show, he's, he's got more shows all the way uh no i'm just messing with you it's all good uh Guys, thanks so much. Like I said, we'll uh, we'll get some photos up on social media. Follow me at Motorator on uh, on Instagram and I guess Facebook as well. Wherever, wherever you want. And uh, we'll see you nice. See you guys next week. Until next time, keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com, and don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. All month long on Pluto TV, stream the biggest Tyler Perry movies free. Watch your favorites like Medea's Witness Protection and Medea's Big Happy Family. Join Tyler Perry as he goes on a couple's retreat with Sharon Leal in Why Did I Get Married? Or Idris Elba and Gabrielle Union in the Tyler Perry directed film, Daddy's Little Girls. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies and TV shows. Available on live and on demand. Download the free Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free.